This is Al Simon with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. in another episode of Simon Says, Let's Talk Business. I'm Business Radio X. I am pumped today. We've got three exciting guests, three different kinds of organizations, three different skill sets, three experts in their field. It's going to be a great show. Looking forward to it. And uh, we'll finish the show today with a couple minutes on some sales stuff, which will be really exciting, right? So with me today is Mark Galvin. Mark is the founder and CEO of ePresence. That's right. Also has his own show. In a couple of hours. Come a, right back. In a couple of hours. And if I do well today, you might invite me on your well, show. Well, yeah, there are you know, a little little quid pro quo that has to happen before we you know, have okay. you on there. Well, we'll talk offline. <laughs> and Tim Fulton. Uh, Tim is the uh, founder and, and president of Small Business Matters and also uh, a Vistage chair. So welcome, Tim. Thank you, Al. It's great yeah. to be here. Good to have you with us. And then our third guest, Caleb Stevens with Corners Outreach, an awesome organization. Fairly new, right, Caleb? Uh, Corners Outreach actually started back in 2010, but yeah. the landscaping division that we have, which we appreciate your business, Al, as a yeah. landscape customer, started, uh, you're right, fairly recently, back in 2018, uh, last April. So, so has it really been since 2010 that you all started? That's when we started. We officially wow. became a 501c3 in 2012, but uh, yeah. we've been at it for a while, yeah. Well, time has flown by me, I guess, yeah. So we're going to spotlight each each one of you, the three of you, and we're going to start with Mark at ePresence. Outstanding. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Mark, tell us, what is uh, ePresence? It says here it's a professional social media management firm for individuals. Exactly. What you does know, that mean? So we're in that digital marketing space, uh, and it's a unique thing that we do because we focus on personal social media. There's a lot mm -hmm. of organizations that can help you, Al, get your organization up to speed and, and drive social media for you and yeah. activate it and keep you active while you're doing this great work on the radio. Or I know you do a lot of training, so you mm -hmm. are probably not sitting at a desk that often. So uh, organizations will take care of that for you. Well, what we do is we believe, because the data proves it, that your personal social media, your personal professional social media, i.e. your LinkedIn profile or your personal Twitter profile or your Facebook profile, is really where you interact with people. Yes. So instead of just activating a company account, what we do is we go in and we help individuals activate their personal social media to achieve their professional mission. Excellent. So, which begs the question, why don't people just do it themselves? Ah. Because fortunately for us, there's a lot of people who don't have the time, don't have the know-how, and quite frankly, don't want to do it themselves. Yeah. So they'll hire us to take care of that for them. Yes. What we do is we do something kind of cool. We, uh, we uh, assign them an e-publicist. So we have an e-publicist that is working directly with each of those individuals to help them activate their social media so that when they're on the radio or doing it so they can sit back and they can tweet out for you while you continue to do your, your day job. And you don't have to worry about what's a hashtag, how do I tag people? Why is LinkedIn not tagging that person? Because that's what LinkedIn does. <laughs> and so they understand, okay, space, space, create a gap, tag them that way, and then change the text to make it fit. Right. We understand all those nuances, so it just makes it uh, more effective. Yeah, listening to you talk, it, it, it makes me think that there's, you know, you said people just maybe not want to do it themselves, but I'm, I'm guessing you come across people's profiles all the time where they should actually let you do it and not be doing it themselves don't you that's that is true and and there is a one of the things that we talk about a lot with our clients is you have to think about your audience mm -hmm. all right and so 
it, I may want to tell you that uh, I'm really excited that I'm at a five-star, five-diamond restaurant having dinner. I maybe I really want to tell you that. You really don't care. Let's be honest. You, you don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Right. So... <laughs> I have to remember that as yeah. uh, you know, as I produce content, and I'm hopefully going to reach people that want to see my content. I need to make sure I share content that they're going to want. So I have to think about them first. So instead of talking about that, I need to figure out a way that I share something that those folks will find applicable to their lives. Okay. Um, and it could be a conversation. I, I posted something once. Uh, it was part of my training. Um, that I did, and it was, uh, I posted a photograph of a name tag, and, the, and I simply stated, you know, here's my name tag. Should I wear my name tag to events, or is it better? Actually, I used the word advice. I want, I want advice. Should I wear a name tag to an event, or should I pick up one when I'm there? Because, quite frankly, I, I have this thing with these prepared name tags that yeah. it, it looks, I don't know, it just looks too salesy, right? And I was curious that it blew up. A lot of people were jumped in there. Some people say you should pick one up at the event. Everybody has an opinion, and I was able to to garner that and create some uh, some traction, and have a robust conversation. The trick is put yourself in your audience's shoes. Mm. What do they want to hear? And if you don't want to hear it yourself from someone else, then you shouldn't be posting it. How about where is your audience? If some people post, uh, not use the right venues, right? Okay, great question. So. Um, your audience are business people, I'm assuming. Yeah, right? Most of them, yes. Right? Yeah. So you're not interested in talking to people who are uh, stay-at-home parents. They're not, you know, they're taking care of the kids. Do you give advice on kids, by the way? <laughs> if I had some expertise, I might. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, my, one of my grandchildren said, Facebook is for old people. Well, yeah. we, the data shows that they're probably right. Yes. For the record. So, so, if, so if I want to reach the, the Generation Z should I be on Snapchat? Snap, yeah, well, figure out how you can reach them on Snapchat. But, yeah, you have to pay yeah. a little advertising to reach them for the record. Okay. So the, they got to connect with you, and you're not cool enough for them to connect with you. Not, That's the struggle with Snapchat. not cool enough right? for that yeah, generation. Exactly. Yeah. But you do need to – you have to answer the question. So your mm-hmm. audience is not on Facebook because you're not trying to reach the people that are the stay-at-home parents, right? That's Correct. Just not your audience. So, so you could scratch off Facebook. You should talk to them on Facebook and develop a personal relationship. That's probably valuable. But how, but about, how about Caleb? Like with Corners Outreach, they do want to reach. You th- don't you? Don't you want to reach individuals? Absolutely. So for us, it's donors, it's potential customers on the landscape side, it's the families we serve. We're kind of all over the board, which for us is an interesting sort of case study of how do you serve so many different audiences and have so many different sorts of perspectives and stakes in your organization. So chances are, do you consider yourselves a B2C organization? Yes. Do you, okay, good. So you, there's going to be some gray areas here. You definitely need to be on Facebook. You have to reach that audience there. You may want to create a Facebook group. On, on LinkedIn, yep. um, excuse me, on Facebook. Have you, do you guys have a Facebook group? Yep. Mm-hmm. See, and that's just brilliant because people can opt into that easier. And, right. and I can invite my friends. I'm, I'm a member of that group, let's say, and I can invite friends to join that group. That's really cool. So that is a, you need to be there, but you also need to be on LinkedIn because you guys have an audience there. So you're, you're a good case where you have a much broader scope because you are B2C, but a lot of your C's, are professionals right and they may not jump on Facebook sure, yeah. they may not like it so that's a good spot where you need to be on both 
Al, you need to be on LinkedIn. You need to make sure that you're spending 80% of your resources focused on LinkedIn because that's where your primary audience is with, a, with you know, touching that Facebook side as you develop stronger relationships. And but Twitter? it's so important. I think everybody should be on Twitter. And I swear really? to you, I'm not joking. I think Twitter is one of the less valued formats that are out there. It is, uh, it, it is so useful. I find yeah. it extremely useful. Dude. It's the Wild West, though, man. Watch out. Yeah, it is a little different. Yeah. yeah. But you can, uh, there was a, I live close to Peachtree DeKalb Airport, and I was wondering if a plane went down. This is many years ago, because uh, I heard that could have happened. I, I couldn't find any information on it. It's on Twitter. People are talking about it immediately. You can get data faster. It's unfiltered right on Twitter. How about that? And you can build your own feeds on Twitter, so you see exactly what you want from the people you want. It's, it's wow. terrific. All right, let's take a step back. So yep. I want to know, how did you get here? How oh, did you become this social media guru? Yeah, um, it, it was organic. I wanted, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I sat down with a buddy. He was, uh, and it still is, a COO of a major bank in Atlanta. And I wanted to buy a company. So I had this company that was in you know, my crosshairs. And over lunch, we figured out I needed $20 million of cash to buy that company. Did, by the way, do you guys, anybody here have <laughs> sure, $20 million in sure. cash? Right. If you do, i got a company to buy. I so, think between the three of us, we might be able to get him lunch. We <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after sitting down and figuring that out, he said, this is what you should do. And he outlined what, I've, what I'm doing now. And I told him he was crazy. He said, you know what, there's a lot of people out there that need this. So I did a, I took a year of research to set out a couple of online polls to a lot of the executives that I knew mm-hmm. and got an overwhelming response of, yeah, there's definitely a need for this. So jumped into it. It was four years ago this August. It hasn't been extremely easy. I don't, I'll tell you that because we're a bit of, um, we're the tip of the spear. We are not, I can't get an elevator and say, hey, I'm a personal social media manager. And everybody around the elevator go, oh, yeah, I know what he does. No, no, no. It's- I majored in that in college. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that'd be good. Yeah, I should start right. that. need a major on that. There you go. But that's the struggle with it. But it is, mm-hmm. that's how I got into it and um, working on trying to figure out a way we can scale it and make it a more national brand right now. All right. So it's exciting. It's good times. It is exciting. It's, good. it's, it's new stuff. Like you said, tip of the spear. Right, right. So you're blazing trails here. But, but you've, obviously you have learned some lessons. Maybe yeah. made some mistakes, like my, some of us have made some mistakes in the past. How about you? What's the biggest mistake you've made that's gotten you a so, good lesson? Yeah, um, biggest mistake is when you're hiring people, don't depend on yourself for the uh, first and only opinion on whether you should hire someone. Mm. You need a team of people to help you figure out who to bring in the group, who to hire. Um, I think I'm a good judge of character. I think I'm a good judge of people, and uh, and I have made hires in the past that uh, that uh, fizzled out. Yes. So I do think that online assessments and those assessments are worthwhile. I think it's something you should do, but it shouldn't be the only re- way you determine whether you hire someone. Right. But I did an assessment on someone uh, for a salesperson, and it, the assessment said, "Don't hire this person for a salesperson." I did anyway, and, and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't that didn't, that didn't work. Uh, but you learned a lesson. Yeah, and, and the, the point is, is definitely find other people that can help you make that decision. And they may not be in your organization. And that's, a, that's something else I've learned. There are people who can help you determine who to hire. And you may have to pay them a fee to do this, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. Yeah. Because of the investment of time and money to get somebody up to speed is, is a huge waste if they're not the right fit. Yeah. 
And that sounds like that sounds simple, right? And everybody's going, oh, of course. But when you're in the heat of the battle, like, oh yeah, I, I got to keep moving. I got to get this done. Check, yeah. it's done. I got somebody for that role. You need to slow down there. Yeah. So these kinds of experiences have helped you to understand your your clients' needs, what their issues are, how to go about things. Absolutely. There's, yeah. you know, I can probably give you twenty of these screw ups. Yeah. Um, it's only a. 30-minute show. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a – see, here's my problem is I'm a communicator. So yeah. I'm, I, I like to communicate, uh, and, but I'm, I don't like detail, right? So I need folks to help me do those details, and that's the other thing I've learned is, you know, don't try to do it all yourself. Good, good, good lesson. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. Great lesson. You, probably, you get asked to speak to organizations, right? And, and I do. What, what kinds of things do they ask you to speak on? Uh, social media. I'm just kind of giving you a hard time here just because I can't. They, that was uh, low-hanging fruit. <laughs> so. You know, that was sort of like, you know, just uh, yeah, you know, playing, yeah. playing volleyball. Thank that you. was a, a, a good spike. But specifically in social media is I help organizations understand how they can leverage LinkedIn. Yes. What do you need to do on LinkedIn? In 20 minutes, what do I need to know? And so I can give some great tips in 20 minutes. I speak to a lot of rotaries. Uh, I'm a Rotarian, so that's a natural. Great organization. Yeah, absolutely. And then, but for an hour-long session, I, I will really drill into what you need to focus on. How do you understand what your audience is? That's so important. Figure out what your audience is and then get into what do you need to do on LinkedIn. And I can go from an hour session to a two-hour session, depending on how deep they want to go. And then we have a session that talks about how to be a parent with kids on social media today. And that's, I got three kids. And so that was a natural, I was, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I said, this is, there's a need for this. Parents need to know this. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that's my, uh, uh, I do those for, uh, for schools for nothing because that's a, that's a huge need. Yeah. So this is Al Simon with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And my show, Simon Says, Let's Talk Business. We've been talking with Mark Galvin, the founder and CEO of ePresence. And Mark, there must be, uh, like the magic bullet, the one thing that all people that you work with need to know about social media. What is that one thing? Do it. Just do it. And it, it really is that, that easy. Don't, yeah. you, if you're not on social media and you're not developing a professional presence online, you're missing out and you're no longer relevant. Mm. So you got to get out there and do it. I remember when LinkedIn first became a thing. And um, I was one of the, you know, I went ahead and got a profile because I thought I probably should. Sure. Didn't know what to do with it. Right. Didn't know if it would even be a big thing or not down the line. But I, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, this, this is something that needs to happen. Right. And it turns out. It's huge. It was, yeah. Two people every second. So yeah. as we sit here, I think the, if I have the numbers right, we'll end up with, there'll be 3,400 new people. I think I did that wrong. But anyway, 3,400 people-ish to 6,000 that'll be, uh that'll jump on LinkedIn as we sit here. Yeah. And what my clients want to know is, are there prospects on LinkedIn? Yes, absolutely. And, the, yeah. and, and what your clients want to know, what they're afraid of, is that their, their prospects are looking at their profile. They are absolutely checking them out on LinkedIn. And it's, and it's kind of like the, the shake hand. The, fir the first time they meet someone, they shake their hands, they yep. look them at the eye. That's the first impression. Are they setting that up so that it's a good first impression? I Big think issue. A lot of people set their profile up. It looks like a, a resume. Is that wrong? Um, it depends on the mission. Depends yeah. on what they want to achieve. If they're interested in in clients and they're interested in sales and growing sales, then they need to make sure that they're focused on their their profile. So that does that. It does. It can, if it reads like a resume, it may not help them. It's all about your mission. 
Yeah. And you need one profile and only one profile. Just continue to reskin it as it uh, to achieve your mission. And LinkedIn does do a pretty good job of that, don't they? Telling you how good your profile is. Oh, they absolutely. And they then will. leading you through helping to make it better. Yeah, at the top of the page. And, and by the way, LinkedIn just changed. Uh, I was Again? talking to a client. Yeah, talking to a client today. She had the old version. I'm on the new version and trying trying to coach her through it. We had actually had to share screens. But at the top of the screen, you can add a profile section. And when you click that button, wherever it, it could be on the right, it could be on the left now, depending on the version you're on. But you have a, it's sort of a checklist of, of fields that you can add. And it's, you know, spend once, you know, once a month, go in there and see if there's another field that you can add. It takes no time. Great idea. Great idea. Thank you. So, Mark, if, if, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, maybe see if you can help them with their e-presence. That's right. How so go about doing that? So here's the, the tip that I, I love to share this is create one handle for all your social media outlets. One handle. Mm. And they all have handles for the record. Mine is ePresenceMG. So E-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E-M for Mark, G for Galvin. That's my handle everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. You can find me everywhere. Uh, or you can catch our website at ePresence.me. That's E-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E dot M-E because it's all about you. Oh, I thought you should say me. It's all well, about you, me, you, me. Okay. You. See, okay. It's a me thing, but it's you. No, I just I just <laughs> confused everybody by saying that. Epresence.me, not epresence.you. Epresence.me. Appreciate that. All right. I need to buy both those, by the way. You know, epresence.you. That's the next one, I think. Okay, that would make sense because it is all about me. It is. Wait a minute, it's you. you right, yeah, never mind. This is going too far. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks, Mark. Mark, Mark Gavin with epresence on Business Radio X. Simon Al- says, let's talk business. Yeah, thanks for letting me join you. I appreciate it. Well, uh, you'll get a bill. No, just, All right. Just well, that's kidding. Good. Just that's good. kidding. Hey. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to be on your show here uh, soon. That'd that's right. Awesome. But what? Tell us real quick about your show. So uh, our show is How's Your Presence, and mm-hmm. uh, we focus on, of course, social media. And what I'll do is I spend 15 minutes talking about what's new, what's new on LinkedIn, what do you need to know about, and then 15 minutes talking to a guest. So like you, I bring in great business people that can that can add. Uh, because you and I both know we don't need to talk about ourselves for 30 minutes. So it's so much more interesting to bring in uh, industry leaders. So yes. we do that too. Speaking of industry leaders, thinking, uh, speaking of people who know what they're doing, mm-hmm. let's welcome Tim Fulton uh, to the microphone. Tim is the uh, president of Small Business Matters and have been for quite a while, right, Tim? I have, and, and Al, thank you for, for having me with you. I've, I've been taking so many mental notes listening to Mark great great takeaways yeah. i'm going to reach out to my marketing coordinator as soon as i leave here <laughs> yeah. i've got some questions yeah. i've got some questions he's got answers yeah. there you go thank you again yeah. yeah small business matters I've, I've i've had that practice now for 25 over over 25 years now wow you only look like 26 <laughs> thank you yes you started young <laughs> no really because because you've been in you've been in business in different areas for a long time and then did bis- small business matters or did you do that while you were doing other things or both I started off, I was a serial entrepreneur. I was one of those kids, and and Mark and and Caleb may be the same way, that I I delivered newspapers as a kid. Remember when kids on bicycles delivered newspapers? That was my my first venture as as an entrepreneur, and I learned hard lessons about collections uh, doing that. They liked getting the papers. They didn't like paying for them. So you had to collect your, you had to do your own collections. I had to do my own collections at, at the age of 13, I think. That's a good lesson, though. That was well, it was a very good lesson. And from there, it was uh, uh, cutting neighbors' yards. It was selling bumper stickers at school. I was just always intrigued by different ways of making money. And then uh, I grew up in Miami, went off to New Orleans to, to school at Tulane, and 
uh, came out of the business school and I was the only one in my class that didn't go to work for a big company. They went to working for banks and insurance companies and financial institutions. And I, I thought, why? Why would anyone want to work for someone else? Why wouldn't you want to work for yourself? So I came out of there and went into my first business. It was a retail automotive business, like a Goodyear store, a okay. automotive business. And ran that business for four and a half, five years and started a travel agency just because I thought it'd be a cool way to travel and <laughs> uh, grew that business into multiple locations and sold it. And so th that was the first third of my career was just starting and, and growing businesses. Was just it? intrigued, just di different ways of doing that. And then over time, I found that as much as I enjoyed being on my own, I enjoyed being around other small business owners uh, yeah. like Mark, like Caleb, and, and asking questions yeah. and, 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 and becoming a mentor, a counselor, a coach. And that's where Small Business Matters got started as, as an executive coach to small business owners. All right. So, um, and you're also a Vistage chair. Right. I was a Vistage chair for 16 years and then retired just this last December. Oh, did you? Uh, yes. So it was all of your clients said they said no you can't retire. Well, how's our, how are we going to survive as a business if you retire? Well, they were they were very kind, and I'm now chair emeritus. I haven't quite yeah. figured out what that does that just mean. I'm an old chair, or <laughs> um, I'm now chair emeritus. Well, that's great. Well, you know, obviously you give lots of advice, and I'm sure you can identify with the mistake that Mark talked about in terms of not getting help hiring people. You know, would that I mean, what advice would you have in that area, or are there other mistakes that you see your clients make a lot that you think we should all be aware of? Sure, and and many of them are mistakes that I made certainly as a small business mm -hmm. owner, and uh, and maybe for my clients' benefit, of have learned from those mistakes and, and share, such as thinking that I could do everything. I, yes. I could be in charge of marketing, I could be in charge of sales, I could be in charge of finance, could wear all those different hats, and still try to grow the business. And I learned pretty early on that 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 was not. The case that I had to be willing to let go essentially uh, interesting statistic that I share often is is in terms of business growth only four percent of small businesses ever get past a million dollars in revenue only four percent so 4%, very small number yeah. of small businesses wow. ever get past and million dollars is kind of a milestone for a lot of small businesses and when they have researched this what they have found is that the primary reason why growth stalls usually prior to that is because the business owner is unwilling to let go, unwilling to, to hire that first salesperson, to bring on a part-time CFO, uh, unwilling to delegate those things that he or she's been doing, you know, forever. But know. nobody can do it better than I can. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody can mess up like I can. <laughs> and Is and some of that cost? I mean, I, I look at myself, I think, gosh, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to borrow money to get, to bring, uh, like a CFO, I need that person for the record. And um, I would need to borrow money to do that or get another investor. And that's just daunting. It is. They, Mark, you're right. Many times they do see it as an expense. Rather, I, I like to suggest it's more of an investment, particularly if it's in marketing or in sales. Right. And yet oftentimes they just see it as an expense on their income statement. And how can I afford that $50,000, $75,000 to make that higher? And, and then they find themselves stuck and they can't figure out why they can't get to that, that next level Great so point. that was a that was a big lesson for me was uh being willing to let go of things particularly things that i'm not very good at like finance and uh al was always interesting to me that you know i wouldn't blink at hiring an attorney to do my legal work i wouldn't think twice about hiring a cpa but darn it i can do my own marketing why would i need to hire a, a marketing person and yet if i'm going to delegate those other areas it just makes perfect sense that i should be willing to hire 
someone to, to do things that I should be doing more impactful, more strategic things within my business and find really good people to do those other things. Yeah, I think I've heard people say in the past that, okay, if you do delegate, hire someone or outsource uh, a particular function, they may not really do it as well as you did, but they'll probably do it just fine and your time is spent, better spent somewhere else. Is that, a, is that a fair statement? Absolutely, if I can get somebody who can do it at, at 85, 90% of what I can do it and that frees up a dozen hours for me a week or more, that's a home run. Yeah, I see it on the sales side all the time. An entrepreneur who brought in all the revenue and now needs to get someone else to do that part. Uh, and and they're not going to be as good as the founder, the passionate one who built it in the first place. But if they get the right person, they'll do it just fine. you got to let go. Yeah. It's that's, hard. That's I'm, a big I, one. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm right yeah. with you. I get it. Yeah. Another mistake, Al, that you asked uh, about mistakes that I find thinking about business growth four percent of businesses get get past a million dollars point four percent of all small businesses ever get past ten million dollars in revenue so there's kind of a ceiling at about a million dollars some businesses are able to break through that and then for whatever reason when you get to about ten million dollars now there's another another ceiling another barrier to growth and when they've studied that what they've found is it's it's all about the design of the business because for a good amount of time, I can, I can grow a business with very little design. And when I talk about design, I'm talking about policies and procedures and systems and checklists, right. all those things that as entrepreneurs, we think, uh, I don't need that stuff. It's, it's all, like all up, up here. here. It's all up here. <laughs> yeah. right? Why write the, all that down? Since but it's it, radio, I got to tell everybody that you pointed to your head. Okay. <laughs> so we need the really, visual. That's right. Really that was important. <laughs> But at some point, if I'm not willing to start documenting those things that take place within my business and think about the operational design, the growth of the business will, will slow down and yeah. eventually will stop because there's just chaos. There's just chaos. And I may not see it because it's, it's almost too close to me, but others certainly see it. My customers see it. Key stakeholders see it. And at some point, I realize I better spend some time organizing this business. Yes. I think some entrepreneurs like chaos. Absolutely. They kind of yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. It's why they're entrepreneurs. Yeah. A little bit on the edge, maybe. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Swimming through. Yeah. That's just brilliant. I remember when Sherry joined me full time and she uh, came into the office and looked at the way I did things and filed things and organized things. And she said, boy, do you really need me? Because it was all, it was chaos. It and really you was. said, uh, I don't know. I know where everything is. Are you kidding me? I got what? this. I why got I, this. Who needs paper for that? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's digital. Then you can't find it. Now she's got her own way of doing piles, right? <laughs> <There you go. laughs> So let's talk about, again, Tim, about entrepreneurship. There's lots of myths out there. I mean, you mentioned the fact that, you know, I'm talking about the statistics for growth. Uh, is, it a, is it a myth that all companies have to grow? It, I think some people think that that's a natural phenomenon, that if I start this mm -hmm. business, just naturally, organically, it's going to grow. Mm -hmm. And maybe for some period of time, that, that might be true. But to believe that it will always grow, always prosper, always be profitable, certainly not. What are some of the other myths that you find mm -hmm. about, about entrepreneurship and small business? One of the first ones I learned, one of the first books that I read, and, and one of my favorites to this day, is The E-Myth, or The E-Myth Revisited, yeah. written by Michael Gerber. And, and for me, even though you know, I had a business degree, reading that book was, was such a, an eye-opener. You know, in that book, he talks about the, the fatal assumption. And, and the fatal assumption is that if, if I understand a business, if I understand the technical part of a business, if I'm a, a chef, if I'm a plumber, if I'm an attorney, 
then the fatal assumption is I should be able to run a business successfully that provides that technical service. If I'm a chef, I should be able to run a restaurant. If I'm an attorney, how hard is it to run a law practice? And yet what many small business owners find, because most small businesses are started by these, these technicians that Gerber refers to, and then at some point they find that in some cases that technical uh, part of the business, instead of being an asset, becomes a, a liability. Because just because I, I'm a, a gifted technician doesn't mean that I can run a successful business or grow a successful business. And, and, and at some point that hits the business owner head on and again goes back to, okay, I better get some help. I better find some help. Yes. And, and hence people hire you to help them, give them advice, right? give them, help them implement systems, procedures. What else do you do as a coach mm-hmm. for your clients? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I ask that myself. So what, what service am I providing? <laughs> what here? value do yeah, I have what, here? What am I doing here? Yeah. I think Al one is, and I found this as a, as a business owner, that it, it is lonely at the top. Uh, when I was a business owner, there are lots of things that I couldn't talk about with my employees. Nice. I couldn't talk about with my customers for certain, even my family. So who do I talk to? And so it, it was very lonely. So one of the things I think that I, I service that I provide is is an opportunity for my clients to have someone to talk to, to not only share the good news, but sometimes the, the bad news and when the business is struggling. So just affording them the opportunity to talk out loud about the issues that they're facing, the challenges, sometimes the opportunities, and not, not be judgmental, not be one to evaluate, but just simply to open up the door and say, let's, let's talk about that. I had a client that I met with yesterday that I'm, uh, I serve as an executive coach, and he had a, a, a company retreat coming up, mm-hmm. and he was, he was very upset about something that was on the agenda, and he wasn't quite sure how to address that. And so we talked through that, and by the time we were done, you know, he, he was coming into the meeting thinking he was going to do one thing. By the time we were done, he was had taken a totally different track. And all I did was open up the window for him to think that there was more than one way to approach this particular situation. So I think that's part of what I do, that I, I help shine light in areas that sometimes are quite dark for, for small business owners. And maybe the, the third thing that I do, and this is not the most enjoyable part of my practice, is I work hard to try to create as much discomfort for my clients as possible. <laughs> that's great. And sometimes <laughs> it's just asking uncomfortable questions like, like what's the assumption behind that strategy? Mm-hmm. Or, or if they're adding a, a new product, so what research have you done? What confidence do you have that that's actually going to work? One of my favorite questions is it's called a, a pre-mortem. You're familiar with the post-mortem. Something goes wrong, and you say, okay, what could you have done different? The pre-mortem is, okay, so you're thinking about this decision, adding a new client, adding a new product. Let's just imagine it's a year later, and you've done it, and it's been a complete disaster. What went wrong? And now my clients, they'll sniff. They'll know when I'm about to ask that question. <laughs> They're they'll, anticipating they'll, it. They'll huh? start to answer it before I can even finish. And yet it's a, it's a very powerful way for people to begin thinking about the eventuality of a, a strategy, a decision, before they've actually made it. And so for me, I think that's a valuable service that, that I provide. That's an interesting way of going about it. You know, Stephen Covey talked about begin with the end in mind. This is a different spin on that. Mm-hmm. It was is begin with, uh, okay, a year from now, it didn't work. What would we do differently? Yeah, and, and uh, what went wrong? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Very good. So people are listening, Tim, and they're thinking, okay, maybe I need an executive coach. Maybe I need Tim. How, how do they get a hold of you? Sure. The, uh, my, my website is smallbusinessmattersonline.com. 
and they're they're welcome to to reach out to me through through the website small business matters online online dot com. com yeah okay reach out to you that way yes all right um uh, i have a and, and you know i i host a monthly luncheon and they're they're welcome yes. to attend it's called small business matters at lunch and it's just a, a networking event for small business owners operators uh influencers and, and they're welcome to join us for that as well yes i love the way you do it too you have you. you you have excellent speakers and you have an interactive uh, uh, way of doing it so that you get people involved and they get to meet each other so it's networking too so that it's an excellent uh, venue uh, people ought to plug into that thank you so smallbusinessmattersonline.com mm -hmm. thank you Tim you're welcome thanks Al absolutely welcome I'm glad you're, you're here this is Al Simon again with Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X and we've uh, we've heard from Mark Galvin the uh, president of ePresence. We've heard from Tim Fulton, the president of Small Business Matters. And now we can talk with Caleb, Caleb Stevens, who is the relationship director. A great title. Relationship director. Very vague. Very vague. <laughs> Do you run a dating website? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> you never know. Small business entrepreneurship, maybe that's yeah. the, hey, it could be the a next side chapter. Could be. There you go. Could be. So Corners Outreach is, uh, is just a great, great organization tell us a little bit about why it exists and what it does if you would Caleb sure yeah so at corners we basically do two things we run after-school programs for title one so low-income elementary schools mm -hmm. in Gwinnett and DeKalb counties and we also have a landscape business that we started more recently so we've been doing the tutoring program since about 2010 and uh, we've been doing the landscaping side since 2018 and that was basically born out of uh, the more we tutored kids, the more we got to know their families and their stories, we found that for most of our kids, their families um, are predominantly in the landscaping industry. Uh, we met this one gentleman named Ramon. He's 55 years old. He's a U.S. citizen. He was making $12 an hour, been doing landscaping for 30 years. And oh we my. went to Ramon and we said, hey, Ramon, you're a baller at landscaping. You're great at what you do. Um, what if you came and worked for us? We paid you a full year-round salary holiday pay, if it's Labor Day, if it's raining, if it's Christmas, you're still getting a check, would you want to come work for us? And the first Duh. thing he said was he looked at us and he said, that's impossible. Really? And in his world, in his, in his you know, experiences, that's, that's unheard of. And so for us, the challenge was, you know, could we start our own business underneath our nonprofit and then uh, essentially pay our parents living wages, something they can live on, something that they don't have to you know, work on this, work on the weekends, work two, three, four jobs to make ends meet, can be active with their kids um, and be a dad and a mom to their kids. And so uh, we didn't really set out to do, you know, any job programs or economic sort of uh, programs. But for us, we just really started with helping kids, tutoring kids on the education side. And then over time, we realized that it's more than just education. It's really poverty that you also have to tackle if you're going to help families be successful. So you started out with a with a subset of a bigger mission. Right, and now you're really focusing on the mission, helping right. people. Tell us about the the uh, the kids. So you do tutoring. Is this elementary only? Is it uh, K twelve? What, what's that look like? It's elementary only, and we get that question a lot. You know, mm. why don't you work with high schoolers? What about middle schoolers? The reason is pretty simple for us. If you're not reading on grade level by the third grade, you are four times more likely to not finish high school, which is a staggering wow. statistic that wow. your reading level at age nine can impact where you end up at age 18 and in fact can already in many cases predict where you'll end up you know eight nine ten years down the road already mm. which is a crazy statistic um, 
Couple that with the average high school dropout cost taxpayers $292,000 per dropout over the course of their lifetime. So there's a lot of incentive um, in the business community, with church communities, with uh, just our neighborhoods in general to really help those who are struggling. And so for us, we think laying the foundation is critical. There's that old saying, you learn to read so that you can read to learn. And so for us, we're really helping our kids learn to read so that they can be successful later on in life. And so we try to stay focused on just elementary schoolers. And what we do is we go to the principal and we say, hey, send us to your neighborhood of greatest economic needs. So we don't run the program in the school. We actually run it in the neighborhood. So you're typically you're looking at either a trailer park or an apartment community that we run our program in. Okay. And the reason for that is transportation. We don't want our moms and dads, if they're working, if they're unavailable to pick up their kids after school to have to you know, make that leap. And so we try to keep it in the neighborhoods. Keep somewhere where the kids can walk to. Exactly. Okay. Keep it walkable. Either it's yeah. like a walkable retail space near um, the mobile mm-hmm. home community or it's uh, like in the leasing office in an apartment center. We'll work with the management staff there and yeah. they'll help us find some space that we can uh, work out of. How, how do you find the tutors? Yeah, so we hire only bilingual staff members. We want our... Mm-hmm. we primarily serve the Latino community and so we want our staff members to look like the kids that we serve and so um, it comes in various ways I would say the average our average um, you know uh, what we call homework club director is uh, in their 20s and is bilingual probably from Mexico or Guatemala and so they can relate well to the parents and build that trust Um, and so it really comes in different ways churches referrals personal contacts um, as you know, relationships are everything in business and, and as far as referrals and finding and teammates. And so usually it's just we'll get, you know, folks that are interested and they'll, they'll send us an email or we'll know somebody and it kind of is very organic. Well, you must have some real success stories. You told us a little bit about Ramon. You must have some other success stories like that, yeah. maybe with the kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's this one uh, girl named Iris. And Idris showed up to homework club. That's what we call our tutoring after school programs. Homework, homework club. club. Yeah, it's yeah. a couple hours. The kids have a snack and a game, and we help them with their homework. And we want it to be fun. And if you think about it, if both of your parents are working, what's more exciting to go home to an empty apartment or to go hang out with your kids at homework club or with your friends at homework club? And so we think there's, you know, when I was going home, I was like, man, I got to do my homework after school. But yes. for a lot of our kids, this is actually a really fun, you know, thing to do after school. But uh, a couple great. of years ago, we had this girl named Edie show up, and she's from Guatemala, but she's from this little tiny town in Guatemala where um, they speak a dialect. So she didn't even speak Spanish. She spoke wow. zero English, zero Spanish, just this really niche sort of dialect from Guatemala. Two years later, um, having been in our program, she's trilingual. She speaks English, Spanish, and her dialect. And so for us, that's in a two really... Years. In two years. And how yeah. old is she? Wow. She's now in second grade. Yeah, she showed up as a kindergartner, and she's now in second grade. That is so, tremendous. Yeah, so it's really cool to see stories of change. And over yeah. time, we've had principals you know, raise their hand and say, hey, can you come run your program in our school? So now we tutor about 600 kids annually Do you? Um, yeah, each year, yeah. My goodness. And so the families that have their kids in this program, they don't pay anything for their kids to be there? We ask them to pay about $50 annually. We want them to have a little bit of skin in the game. Annually. Annually. Yep. So it's so very it's minimal. Free, very minimal. Essentially, essentially free. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wow. We think there is some value to having a little bit of skin in the game financially, sure. but of course we want it to be something that's very minimal and easy for our families. Oh, that's outstanding. If you're, if you're in poverty, you know, that's, that's probably a good check of change. So. Mm-hmm. What great work you're doing. 
What's what's you must have some challenges, right? You know, I mean, you're, it's it's a nonprofit. There's challenges, right? So, what what are your biggest needs right now? Yeah, so funding is always a big is a big deal. Um, we've been very blessed to um, have a great couple past two years of fundraising uh, via our gala that we have the Atlanta Athletic Club in September, as well as a golf tournament at the Country Club of the South. So that's been mm. a huge blessing for us. Uh, so funding has been a challenge, and then also really starting a, a small business. I mean, I'm hearing you guys talk about. Uh, the challenges I'm like check 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 like that's all of that is me right now I'm running our landscape division that's my main role is I run the landscape side of what we do and uh, started that about a year ago and man just the all of the things you guys talked about wearing all the hats billing marketing scheduling operations equipment accounting equipment maintenance yeah. leading the crews it's crazy it's it's crazy it kind of comes in tsunamis some days are a little more low-key than others some are some days are just kind of a nightmare and so learning how to grow and scale uh and grow in a way that's healthy Uh, right now we're kind of growing like weeds uh which can be a good thing oh there's a pun yeah (laughs) yeah. Uh, but money's coming in the door which is great but at the same time it's like okay You know, in order to grow, we got to hire more people. In order to hire more people, we got to grow. So you want those two things to work in tandem. Uh, the systems, the the back office operations of how do you get all everything in order to scale a landscape company. There's a lot of l- details and logistics, and it's almost like an engineering equation at times. You look at this and you're like labor efficiency and ratio and scheduling and hourly yeah. pay and, and contractors versus full-time employees and our sales, our prospects, there's a lot going on. And, and so, the seasonality and to the it. seasonality. Be an issue, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We had a great winter, thankfully, a lot of project work, a lot of one-time uh, sort of installations and things carried us. But that's another good point that you make, Mark, is the idea of contract and normal monthly maintenance clients versus these one-off design and build clients. Right, right. We're kind of a, at about 50-50 as far as that goes, um, as far as our breakdown. So, I love your motivation. I love what you guys are doing and blending it all together. And you are a relationship manager. I can see it. Now I get how you, you, you bring these folks together. In a way, it's kind of like a dating site. You are matching people who have a real need with a, a you know, somebody that has a specific type of demand to support the organization. That's brilliant. Sure. Well done. Thanks. And if landscaping's not one of the passions or experiences of our parents, we try to help network them into a different job, whether it's HGHC, mm. plumbing. Um, there's a huge labor shortage in the country right now yes, as far there is, as finding yeah. physical labor. Construction costs are going up through the roof because people can't find work and help. Mm. And so for us, we're really trying to help fill a need, you know, globally, nationally as well, as far as just helping folks find great people uh, to work. Well, from the customer side, I can tell you, you're doing a great job because, uh, well, Mark talked about people that don't know really enough about social media to be doing a good job. And and Tim talked about one of the biggest problems business owners have is letting go and and trying to do everything themselves. Well, I was one of those guys that said, no one's going to do my yard but me. And that was, you know, I felt like that. And no one's going to do as well as as I do it. I have to tell you, your 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 team is doing an incredible job with our yard. Well, thank you. We we appreciate it. We try to hire folks with experience, and if you, if you don't yeah. have any experience, it's fine. We'll we'll train you. But really, what we go after first is folks that love landscape and want to be in landscaping, but just need a better system to right. be in. So, Caleb, you 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 can use some more customers for landscaping. You could use some more volunteers for tutoring. Would you call them the? Uh, Homework club, homework, homework club, club directors. Homework club directors. They, those are our folks that are that are that run our tutoring okay. centers. Yeah. And you could use people who donate money as well as their time. 
Yeah, right? absolutely. So we call it investors. So you can invest okay. in our mission. Uh, you can volunteer mm. at a homework club or you can buy services and become a customer. Okay. And for every dollar you spend on our landscape company, uh, we give 15% of all of our top line revenue over to Corners Academy, which is our tutoring program. Yes. And so, Al, you spend $100 with me at the end of the year, you can write off $15 on your taxes. So there's a, a fun incentive for our customers as well. well it's, it's it only costs 100 bucks a year? Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. It's lighting me up. I'm well, in. I don't think you should talk about fees right here. <laughs> you spend a hundred bucks with us on, you know, some flowers or something. Oh, yeah, there, there you go. go. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a tremendous thing you're doing, and it and it is really. I mean, of course, the tax write off is nice, but more importantly, what we get out of it is knowing that we're helping the community, we're helping the kids, we're and we're helping their parents. It's really a cool thing. That's so really I thank cool. you for Thanks, doing this. Thanks, and we this. appreciate your your yeah. business and your support. It's uh. It's we're, an honor, and you're helping us get there. We're glad to do it. So, Caleb, I know we've got listeners that want to get a hold of you now, listening to you talk. So how's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can go to cornersoutreach.org. That's our main website. All the information there about the tutoring as well as the landscaping. You can find us uh, on Instagram at cornersoutreach, and then you can also um, hit me up at caleb.stevens at cornersoutreach.org. That's uh, Stevens uh, with a V. And so. Okay, so cornersoutreach.org is the website. And your email is Caleb.Stevens, with a V, at cornersoutreach.org. That's right. And you mentioned Instagram? Really? What's that? What is that? I've never heard of that. I haven't either. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we, we got <laughs> some advice. That's for young people. That's so, speaking yeah. of social media, by the way, Nextdoor app, that's like soccer mom mecca. Oh, yeah, We've yeah. gotten so much business off the Nextdoor app, which is kind of, I didn't even know about it until I started working at Corners, and someone was like, yeah, I heard about you guys on the Nextdoor app, and I'm like, what's that? Mm-hmm. I use so, it all the time. Yeah, it's yeah, good. I, yeah, I'd never heard of it before, and so that's been a cool thing that social media-wise has kind of blown up for us is, is Nextdoor app. So That's great. Well, thank you, Caleb. Great stuff y'all are doing. It's been a really good show today with our three guests, uh, uh, Caleb Stevens, Relationship Director with Corners Outreach, uh, and Tim Fulton, the President of Small Business Matters, Mark Galvin, the founder and CEO of ePresence. Thanks, guys, for being with us. Uh, and Simon says, let's talk business. I'm your host, Al Simon. And, and to close the show today, I want to talk a little bit about a sales topic, particularly a prospecting topic. And, uh, yes, the dreaded P word, yes. It's interesting because there are two ways to grow revenue. One is to get new accounts. The other one is to grow and keep existing accounts. Most producers for their company, I'm going to use the word producer because we've got salesperson, we've got business development director, client development, we've got account managers, all kinds of relationship. Re- I was going to say, yes. don't forget that one. Yeah, there you go. All kinds of different titles and entrepreneurs, of course, who do their own selling. And it's all over the map. But people who, are, who need to be producers who have to get more revenue for their organization, most of them are not organized enough to do this in a, in a way that's planned out and then executed and so it's haphazard behavior. And, of course, we know haphazard behavior yields haphazard results, which, Tim, you probably said this a thousand times to your clients, this kind of thing. Uh, but most people don't even think about, okay, how do you have a prospecting plan? How do you do that? And uh, wh- so we help our clients get that done. We, there's, a, there's a systematic way to block your calendar with with appointments with yourself to do the behaviors to to grow business to grow revenue and of course there's all kinds of ways to do it social media being one mark right uh, but also uh, for account managers account review meetings almost always uncover new opportunities and keep uh, keep customers longer 
Uh, of course, cold prospecting, which is a big topic today. What's the best way? Is it phone still or is it email or a combination? Is it text? And we, we work on all those things. Of course, networking, uh, uh, asking for referrals, which is one that is still the best for most of us, but yeah. most people don't really have a plan for doing it well. Uh, and, of course, uh, seminars, webinars, all kinds of ways, probably a couple dozen ways to get new business and to grow and keep existing business. The point is have a plan for it. What are the best activities for, for you and what, in the, what quantities and what time frames with what people, what venues, and then to execute on it in a systematic way and stick with it. The hedgehog principle uh, just stick with it, right? Just to stay in it and do it and do it and be consistent, and that's what works in the long term. And uh, most people don't do it; they just don't, you know. So that's the uh, conclusion of today's episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business. I'm your host, Al Simon, with Sander Training by Simon Inc. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Mark. Everybody, good selling. Thank you.